What's up, friends? Welcome back to episode 15 of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast. Got another jam-packed episode for you all. Uh, episode 15, we're really excited about. A lot of moves being made in the NFL, uh, NBA, and baseball. We have a special guest today. So without any further ado, we got Jordan on the left of my Zoom screen. Jordan, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. We have our first game this Friday against Tantasqua. Should be a fun one. Really excited to see the guys go out there and play. They've worked their asses off. So really cool to see what they'll be able to do this upcoming Friday. And right below me is Jack's good friend, Ben. Ben, how have you been today, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, happy St. Patty's Day for everybody out there listening. Um, happy to be here. I'm happy you guys invited me. And it's, uh, yeah, excited to talk some baseball and talk some sports. Absolutely. So we got Ben Porter. Um Knew him from high school back at the days at Newton North. Um, ben, uh, after graduation, went to Columbia. Uh, ben, what did you study over at Columbia? I don't. I don't. Was it yeah, Italian? Studied, was it? No, not Italian. <laughs> I, I gave up Italian senior year of high yeah. school. Um, I did take Italian for some okay. easy A's. All right. At Columbia, started at base level, kind of gotcha. uh, rode my way to a decent GPA. Um, nice. I studied sustainable development, so like environmental science and you know, stuff that I don't really use at all in the professional world. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Good experience there. For sure. Well, um, Ben went to Columbia, played baseball there all four years, correct? Outfield. Yep. Um, yep. So uh, Ben's down in Pennsylvania, my old stomping grounds for a very short period of time, um, working over it's, is it pronounced Camby? Camby. Yep. Camby. Um, so working down there for a sports betting um, agency. So um ben also too if you haven't seen pretty big on the baseball i'd say you're pretty big on the baseball twitter world ben yeah yeah I, i've grown a solid <laughs> solid following there uh it's been fun I've gotten to you know meet a lot of people through that just have some fun posting things that that i find interesting and apparently other people find it interesting too so i've, I've had a lot of fun doing that i was gonna say as someone who's like a baseball like i'm a baseball nut i don't know i've said this on the show a couple times i've been to 19 of the 30 stadiums my goal is to get to all 30 of them. So as someone who's a baseball nut, I definitely appreciate what you share on Twitter. I know Jordan's more the football guy, but I was showing him some of your tweets. So definitely, I like how you balance it too, between history, comedy, you even throw in, you know, the bachelor. I know you're a big fan of that. It looks like so oh, yeah. um, you, oh, yeah. you, you mix it up for the people. It's, it's never the same two things coming out of your Twitter account. So um, definitely, <laughs> definitely. If you don't follow Ben, we'll, we'll, we'll have you peep the, peep the handle at the end, but um, without any further ado, we just, you know, wanted to chat with you about uh, the upcoming season and things like that. So first question, we like to keep it fun. What was your favorite food as a kid? Oh, favorite food as a kid. What about like, a, you remember those like ice cream hot dogs? Oh, yes. Like a cool dog? Cool dog. Yes. I love those things. I, was gonna say, just like, a, I don't even know how much I had those, but that's something, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind. So like I'm going to go with the cake outside yeah, and cake the, yeah, bun, the cake ice bun. cream, ice okay. cream dog. And then you dress it with like yes. chocolate. chocolate syrup. Jordan, have you ever had one before? That, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think like an ice cream hot dog. And then as soon as you said like the bun, yeah. piece, I'm like, okay, like, oh, the yeah. most important part of a hot dog. obviously. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with that. If we're, we're being a little that's fine. You know, whimsical here. Um, that's fine. That was, Jack, I respect what, it. Yeah. what was your favorite food as a kid? Oh, um, go I was going to say, I just, I just had chicken tenders and French fries for every meal. Ooh. So, um, yeah, that, that I mean, pretty, pretty easy there. Jordan, I guess you got, you got to answer it next. Yeah. Uh, peanut butter and jellies. They're still my favorite food okay. uh, to this day. So I, I'm a kid at heart. Gotcha. There you go. 
it's a that staple of, of every kid's diet that and you know jack's chicken yeah chicken hey. tenders and fries so great a- source of protein man <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um absolutely so um ben if you want to just explain to the people i know you are working over at canby what kind of work do you do because i was looking on the website look like you guys are I don't want to say a startup, but it looks like you guys are starting to um, do some really cool things over at Canby. So if you want to explain to the people kind of what you do for as the head of MLB pre-match per your LinkedIn profile, I did my research. Yeah, there you go. Um, So it's interesting. Canby's kind of startup-y in the U.S., but we're actually a pretty established company overseas. Uh, The main office is in London, and and they've been operating over there for a long time before, you know, gambling was legalized here in the U.S., Um, but, you know, my role is kind of making lines and setting odds for MLB stuff. Um, the pre-match just means anything that you would bet on before the game actually starts. That's kind of my jurisdiction. So all the futures markets, MVP awards, Cy Young's, um, I'm basically coming up with odds for all that. And uh, yeah, adjusting lines and monitoring where bets come in. It's it's pretty cool gig. Wow. We have a lot of friends who are like actuary math majors. So are you using any like formulas, Excel, things like that to kind of determine those odds or is it just, they're giving it to yeah, you? Yeah, it's, it's um, definitely Excel, just using stats that are, you know, widely available. But I mean, the biggest advantage that sportsbook have that uh, other people don't is the feedback of the betters. Um, I can see every bet that comes in thousands of them on, every different type of market. And that kind of helps me figure out where the lines should be. Um, and, you know, we have, I have some fun, like trying to figure out, you know, what the starting line should be. Like there's no formula for who's going to win the MVP award. So it's uh, it's kind of fun to play around with different stats and try to make somewhat of a formula for things like that and kind of figure out where those lines should be. Wow. Uh, that sounds very interesting. I know we have a few <laughs> friends. I don't know if a lot of the listeners do sports betting that we have. I know I'll throw in $10 on a March Madness bracket here and there, but um, Jordan, I don't know. Do you, do you do too much sports betting yourself? Um, I go on DraftKings a lot and I'll just make a lineup and bet that way. I want to start getting into the money line um, and doing stuff like that, but I'm just not that knowledgeable in that area. And if I had more money, I'd be putting more money into it. So <laughs> That's yeah, the battle right there. But quick question for you, Ben, is there, I know you said for MVP, there's no real formula, but is there ever like a consistent stat line for different awards or what teams win championships? If they like, if they average, let, let's say it's a team batting average is over like a 260 and they steal like on, a, on average, I don't know how many bases would be normal for baseball. A hundred. Like if they steal like 120 bases, like in a season, like is there, is there a certain stat I guess, quotas that they have to hit in order to be like statistically eligible to be a champion? And is there consistency that way? Um, I don't think there's too much consistency there. I mean, generally you're going to see the, the teams with, you know, higher run totals, uh, you know, more powerful offenses. You're going to see them obviously near the top year after year. And obviously, uh, you know, the better pitching the better the pitching staff is, the better the team's going to end up. But, but there's no real like trend of, Oh, they stole the champion stole this many bases every year. And I think you can kind of look at that uh, in reverse a little bit too. Like you can say, you can say like, did this team steal because were they good because they stole or did they steal because maybe they were bad or there are a lot of different like reasons that a team could, could do different things. Like, um, 
I know some of the worst teams in the league steal because maybe they don't have anything to lose. They really want to try to push the envelope on the flip side. Like if a team's really good at stealing bases, like they might get a bunch of extra runs. So there's, there's a lot of correlations and stuff that, you know, it's not necessarily just a, just like a binary, you do a, then you're going to win. Um, just kind of got to be as, as well-rounded as of a team as you can. I think it's funny. I was going to say, I think it's funny that you're talking about MLB favorites. Cause one of the questions that we definitely wanted to talk to you about, um, who are you excited to see uh, Jordan and I last episode or two episodes ago, talked about teams that we're excited to see in 2021. We know we got the Padres up and coming white Sox falling up from last year. Do you have like one or two teams that you're just as a fan, uh, excited to see coming into 2021? Uh, definitely. Um, you mentioned the white Sox; They're awesome. Um, Luis Robert is extremely exciting. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is awesome. He's got a ton of power. Um, and Lucas Giolito is one of the best pitchers yes. in, in the American Max. league. So he's, he's awesome. He's a really cool dude as well. They're putting out a lot of and Tim Anderson's like the coolest guy in the MLB oh, yeah. and uh, Yoan Moncada just dropped an awesome song. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so they got, and reigning M, uh, MVP Jose Abreu. So they have one of the, and I could just, I just keep going on these guys. Um, <laughs> um, Yasmani awesome. Grandal is awesome too. Like they just have a top to bottom, awesome lineup, awesome pitching staff. Uh, the one thing I'm interested with them is how they're going to, how they're going to interact with like having an old ass coach, Tony <laughs> Larusa. Like it's a little bit of a strange dynamic there. So that'll be interesting to see how he manages kind of all that swag and like that young energy that these guys are going to bring. Um, but very excited for them. And then the other one I would say is the Blue Jays. I mean, I love those, all the young guys, all the juniors that are on the team pretty much yeah. like Lords and Vladdy, obviously Bo Bichette and uh, Kevin Biggio. Those guys are awesome. And, you know, their pitching staff is kind of going to be what either is their Achilles heel or, or kind of sends them over the top. Nate Pearson throws like a hundred miles gas. an hour. Yeah. He, he's absolutely he's awesome. So if they can kind of get things together on that side of things, they, they could make a run for the AL East. So those are probably two that I'm excited about. There's, I mean, so many players I could name like Juan Soto, obviously I think has potential to be one of the best pit uh, hitters that we ever see. So yeah. That'll be awesome. Uh, Shohei is back and healthy, and he'll be fun to watch. So uh, we, the list goes on, but but those two teams are definitely at the top of my list. I was going to say, you read my mind, and I don't know if you did listen to our, one of our last episodes, but I literally said the Blue Jays, White Sox, and I said the Nationals because I think everyone's just forgetting about them because Juan Soto missed, what was it, two weeks because of COVID. Probably could have won the MVP if they were in the, in the playoff discussion. Obviously, Freddie Freeman had a great year. Mookie had a great year, um, as always, but... Um, you read my mind with those three teams, with at least those two teams, and then mentioning Juan Soto. So, um, great minds think alike. Yeah, there you go, man. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun season. Hopefully, it'll be. Uh, hopefully, we won't have as many hurdles in terms of like scheduling and seven inning doubleheaders and all that. But I'm also excited for uh, the last season of pitchers hitting. Yeah, uh, presumably, presumably the last season. So, yeah, it's it'll be bittersweet. We are a pro DH podcast. Pro we DH are a pro podcast. DH podcast, a pro okay. bat flip podcast, a pro uh, Trevor Bauer pimping a strikeout podcast. Where okay, yeah, I, I I don't have a strong opinion either. When I said I'm looking forward to the last season of pitchers hitting, I meant physically seeing the pitchers hit. I'm excited to do. Uh, I don't really have a stance on the universal DH. I'm okay. kind of I can see the benefits of both from a baseball standpoint. 
Um, so I won't argue with anybody on either side <laughs> of the, uh, on either side of the envelope there. No worries. No worries. Um, one, one question that we had lined up to you that we had to ask you, Ben. So it's December, 2020. I don't really have the timeline right before Christmas. Uh, for those of you that don't know the story, Ben wakes up from a nap and he is, oh, yes. yeah. And he is in Danny Vietti's top 16, basically bracket. We're talking March madness. So Danny Vietti's top 16 baseball Twitter accounts. Um, what was that like? Just like waking up to that. And all of a sudden you're in a poll against Trevor Bauer's agent of all people too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was funny, man. I woke up, <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big nap person. I'll get home from work. I'll be exhausted, you know, lie down for an hour or two and I wake up and I have like 50 new followers. So I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. What's going on. And you know, I saw a bunch of people tagging me like, Hey, vote for Ben. And I kind of pieced it together. And you know, I had, um, some people had recommended me to be in the bracket the last year. So I kind of understood what was going on and, and really kind of try to sprung into action, uh, to try to lobby for some votes. Um, but yeah, Rachel Luba was a tough draw in the first round. Um, I think if the bracket were to have happened about two weeks later, I would have pulled out the victory because people kind of turned against her in the public eye a little yeah, bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I missed out on, missed out on some potential votes there, but, uh, no, that was, that was definitely fun. Uh, the one thing I'm sour about though, is that she did say she would hop on a live Twitter video with me and, and never followed through. So she owes me that a little bit, but you know, she's a baller. So it is what oh, it she's is. Great. She's great. I was going to say it, it, how like, it's just crazy to think about it too, because like she was literally in the midst of kind of the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes, <laughs> if you could say, especially at that time, there was more than just the Mets and the Dodgers interested. I know the angels were rumored to him, the Padres at some point that was before they made the big Blake Snell splash. So she, I, I would definitely be a little bit sour if I were you too. Cause I remember that tweet. She did say you guys were going to uh, hop on some sort of live stream. So. Yeah. And you know, I have to have to have some pride, like, you know, she's, she's big in the baseball world, but baseball Twitter oh, is yeah. more my jurisdiction. You know, she might not be tweeting some of the things that I'm tweeting. So <laughs> it was uh, no, that was, that was fun though. That was, that was a fun day being in that, in that yeah. tournament for a bit. See if I can get in next year. You were campaigning pretty hard. And I was going to say, I think, who was it? Pat Light, I think, quoted it. And he was kind of like, I'm happy I'm not in this. And I was like thinking, and I'm like, Pat, you definitely want to be in it. Shout out Pat Light, too. I don't know if you know this. He like likes all of our Instagram photos. Jordan and I will just like post something. And all of a sudden, Pat likes like the first like, too. He just likes it. Just nice. out of nowhere. So um, Has he been on? He is not. On? We've, we've, I, he, me and him exchanged a few messages via Twitter. And then he kind of fell off. Um, so I don't know if he's busy right. with the bar or whatnot. But um you guys definitely. push you, you guys keep pushing for that that'd be awesome yeah we're trying to get you familiar with rodrigo blankenship yep jordan yeah, kicker yeah the colts yeah yes sir yeah. jordan you want to tell him about rodrigo blankenship so rodrigo blankenship is he's the guy from georgia that wears specs and he's just a meat not i don't want to say a meme but he's someone that we have been following since college just because he's one an incredible kicker but two this is really like quirky like he builds lego sets like he hangs out with his girlfriend like he's just one of the coolest like kickers that you've ever seen so jack picked him up in fantasy in our draft at the very last round the absolute steal absolute, absolute steal steal ended up being what the third best kicker yeah. all year i bought his fantasy. jersey like, crazy <laughs> i uh, love that yeah so jack went and got him and then 
literally since episode one, we've been campaigning to get Rod on the pod. And that's our connection with Rodrigo Blankenship. Also, I long snapped in college, so I'm huge into NFL long snappers. And Luke Rhodes for the Colts is hands down the best long snapper in the league. So when I saw Rodrigo went to the Colts, like it, it was a perfect like meeting of the two. So there you go, man. You'll, you'll get him. You'll get him on. All Keep full at it. Circle. All yeah. full circle. Goal he's, is to get all of them on. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's funny. He's he's kind of like the guy that people post side by sides of with DK Metcalf to show like <laughs> mm-hmm. how how different the composure uh, the composition of NFL players is. So exactly. yeah, he's no, he's great, man. Yeah. No, he's definitely awesome. Um, and I know Jordan was again talking about college players. So I know you played obviously baseball at Columbia, but. I've seen kind of on your Twitter, I know obviously you follow the great Jared Carabas, um, great baseball mind, but it's looking like college baseball is getting a little bit more and more popular. Um, for anyone that listens to this podcast, we do get a lot of football fans. I'd say we get a lot of baseball fans as well, but more so major league. If anyone listening to this show, what I guess would you want to say to them in order to get them interested in college baseball? Cause I've been watching some of the games and let me tell you, I, I'm having a good time. Yeah. I mean, so this is kind of my first season really following college baseball too. Cause the last full one I was a player in. Um, so this is kind of my first chance to really like take in all of the, the content from it. But I mean, basically if, if you like how, if you like what college basketball looks like in relation to the NBA, you would love how college baseball looks in relation to MLB. Um, there's a lot more excitement. There's a lot more on the line. Guys are like, you know, nobody dogs anything. There's a lot more yapping back and forth. A pitcher will strike out the side and just scream at the dugout for no reason, like no prior, you know, the professionality is not there. You know, it's a bunch <laughs> of college dudes who are fired up. So it's uh, it's it's definitely something that people should see more of. It's kind of hard to follow because it's not on any free television, really. Um, but I would say definitely keep your eyes peeled. Maybe pick a couple teams to follow on Twitter or Instagram. Kind of monitor their uh, their posts. Like the SEC does a great job of of making content for their teams, like probably better than a lot of the MLB teams do. So. Um, I would just say kind of dig into that, maybe pick a team or two. There's a lot of exciting players and these are the guys that you're going to see in a couple of years. So um, yeah, there are plenty of accounts that do a really, really good job covering college baseball too. So I would uh, just kind of do some research on that and, and yeah, try to stay in the loop because there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. Going off your chirping point, I went and filmed a Brian baseball game because I was in sports media production in my junior year. And I had to make a highlight reel and whatnot. And one of the things they wanted was they wanted game sounds and a couple of clips. And all the clips I got, I literally could not use because every single one, someone was dropping the F-bomb or saying, shit, like, you know. So I couldn't really put that in the clips. That just goes to show, like, even at a small Division One school, there's still a lot of chirping going on and guys are getting hyped. So I totally agree with you there, I think. That's a great point, especially for people looking for more baseball stuff and looking for more hot mic action. College baseball awards that. Yeah, and the thing too is that like, you know, college athletes are not nearly as like poised as professional athletes. You know, they haven't nope. been through the ringer of minor league baseball where they've had a million at bats. Like, they're fighting for spots every single day, and the tensions are high because they want their team to win and make the playoffs, and every game really matters. So. 
if a guy strikes out, like he's going to be pissed off on, you know, a regular basis. So there's a lot more emotions flying. It's, it's just, you know, it's a, a more exciting game, really. Do you have any future plans to get down to Omaha? Oh, I would love to, man. That would be awesome. Um, I got to see Williamsport first. True. But, uh, <laughs> but Omaha, yeah, absolutely. I would love to do, I'd love to do that. How many stadiums have you, like major league stadiums, minor league stadiums, have you been to? Yeah, yeah. I think it's only seven of the major league ones. That's solid, I can, something on my wall. I can <laughs> definitely, obviously, Fenway, City Field. I've been to um, Comerica, Great American Ballpark, and Cincy, um, Dodger Stadium. Uh, PNC, that was my favorite one PNC, on the road. Yes. I went to PNC. PNC is, PNC is beautiful, man. It's um, nice. I think those are all of the professional ones I've been to. I've been to Yankee Stadium, but I haven't seen a game at Yankee Stadium. Gotcha. Um, and I've seen the outside of Wrigley too. So that's like okay. seven and a half. Gotcha. No, it's fair. I mean, I, I guess Marlin Stadium, I count that in my 19. I got a tour there when it was like two or three years old. Got to actually walk on the field. So that's why I count it. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. But that was um, that was a good time. For sure. And, and, and then, Citizens, Citizens Bank in Philly. Of I was gonna course. say you've been out. Have you been yeah. have you been to a game there? Or you been on the outside? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's okay. great. Nice. Yeah. Great that was great park. Yeah. One of my favorites. I think in my short time in Pennsylvania, I think Ben, I was telling you this. I went to four games. The Sox were down there for a two-game series, so got to catch that. Um, and I just went to I was at the Bryce Harper walk-off Grand Slam game against the Cubs, which Unreal, uh, man. was it, the ball landed like two rows in front of me. I was oh. like playoff atmosphere. It was awesome because the Phillies were like still in the hunt there. The Cubs were still in the hunt um mid-august pennant rate race baseball was intense. yeah it's it's a it's a fantastic park to see yeah, a game at would highly recommend it i'm trying to think if there's any others that you didn't i've never been to great american never been to dodger stadium i know jordan's a yankee fan so um he'll tell oh. you yankee stadium. i know right how do we do this podcast <laughs> together <laughs> um, but, yankee stadium, i know right I um it. definitely petco too petco great time oh, yeah. um, that's san diego yep. yeah yep, I've been there. um i went there i was only 10 but i want to go back want to go back to the city of san diego so especially definitely. with that team now yes now oh yeah imagine <laughs> well you got 14 years to see tati so <laughs> yeah hopefully yeah hopefully that's, that's the goal to get down there jordan you got any other questions for ben uh before I, we hop into our trivia yeah i do i got a couple that are listed here but one off the top of my head i know you went to columbia did you graduate 2019 2018 when did you graduate 2019 yep 2019 okay i know columbia is a relatively bigger school than what jack and i went to did you happen to know anyone on the football team at columbia more oh yeah yeah i know some people on the football team it's probably about we have seven thousand undergrad yeah would you happen to know patrick evie Big, tall kid, doofy-looking guy with long hair, does magic tricks. Yes, I know the magic trick, dude. Yes, <laughs> the magic trick, dude. So he, I know him, yeah. Yeah, so we competed against each other in a bunch of long, snappy camps. He got some pro looks. Um, we competed in college, so no, it's just great dude. So I just cool little connection piece there. Yeah, I don't know him. I don't know him, like, personally so much. Like, I've definitely met him and interacted with him and seen some magic tricks. But, um, like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say, you know. I would text them and say what's up, but I do. Oh, I yeah, abs- sure. absolutely know them. Yeah, but cool. Small, uh, small world. Absolutely, nice man. To see. Let's roll right into the question. I know that obviously your Twitter's been getting huge. So, what's the coolest DM that you've gotten from someone in the baseball world? <laughs> DM. Yeah. Um. Um. I uh, I've, I've so I tweet a bunch of like old videos and stuff. Um. I had, um, 
Jesse Barfield, who was a former, you know, Yankee and Blue Jays outfielder, one of the best arms of all time. He, we spoke briefly after I posted a clip of him. Um, Todd Frazier, I've spoken to. Oh, the Todd DMs, father. That's awesome. Really That's cool. a win right there. You don't even need to keep it on. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and um, Carabas has DM me before, which is cool. Um, yeah, a bunch of them, man. I, I've had some great, like, interactions with like like david spade and quest love like wow. retweets and stuff but as far as dms go probably probably todd frazier and jesse barfield was a cool one too and what were those dms like were they just like oh this is really cool or was it more of a conversation like talk me through that yeah it's pretty much just like hey like you know they may follow me and say oh lenny dykstra oh, okay. <laughs> former philly one. yeah um just DM me be like, Hey, like really enjoyed the the clip you posted like that, you know, and, and I might ask them kind of to go more in depth on, you know, their experience with it. Like sometimes some of the lower profile, like older players that I post videos of will respond and, and I'll get to kind of hear their insight on, on what happened. Um, there's a guy named Matt Noakes who took a ball like from, I think it was Clemens and he caught it in between his arm like when he was batting. So he got hit, mm-hmm. caught the ball. And then, you know, he responded to the tweet like, oh, that one, you know, I had a bruise on my ribs for two weeks after that or something. It's like small insights that are really cool to hear about um, from those guys. So uh, just a couple, couple players here and there. Yeah, that's awesome. And might, might have left a little rosy little bruise on the side there about that happen. And speaking <laughs> of roses, I was talking with Jack and said that you were into the Bachelor and Bachelorette. Do I have that correctly? Ooh. Oh, yeah, so, big time. As someone whose mom forced him to watch The Bachelor. When they yeah, okay, there. Jordan, you you are watching it willingly, I know. Totally, totally watching it willingly uh, for 14 seasons. Um, <laughs> and then, so as someone that's been into The Bachelor and very vaguely watching it here and there, how did you get into it? Because I feel like everyone's experience is almost different with how they get into the show. Sure. Um, it was a year in high school. It was either junior or senior year. I kind of forget which one. Um, but it was just a conscious decision. My mom's sister and I were kind of like, yeah, we don't really have anything we've been watching recently. It's like, we need something kind of on a consistent basis. Like, Hey, bachelor's starting up. You guys want to kind of get really into that. And just guess it's kind of like a fun thing to do on a weekly basis. And so we started watching and um you know you know you watch it like it's you can't really get out once you get in it, it kind of hooks you and uh yeah it's it's been fun I, I i have a lot of fun watching it kind of ripping on what goes on and uh kind of making fun of how stupid the whole thing is but i, I do love the show yeah it's it's great because you know like the shitty people that are on the show they're there because the producers want them there they're like yeah we need the conflict we're gonna keep you on and it's, it's crazy how, how it hooks you in because in hindsight, you're like, wow, this is really stupid. But at the same time, <laughs> you get so emotionally invested into the show. Like my mom would grab a notebook and write like the names of all of her favorite people and who she thinks we get kicked oh, off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no, was- it's, it's, yeah, I have, I have some friends who I text like pretty much strictly for the bachelor who like I keep in touch with just to chat bachelor. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely fun. There's a big community around it. It's fun to tweet about. It's um, yeah, it's a good time. Jack, you, you haven't been out, watching it. You're missing out. Man. I guess I'm missing out. I guess well, I gotta, you can jump out. in at any time. 
gonna say i might might need to check it out soon but you know gotta keep up with my sports we cover three sports here so you can uh, <laughs> you know got, gotta keep nah, it up it's there. monday monday yeah. nights monday nights okay yeah maybe once uh maybe i'll start getting into it we'll see but <laughs> baseball starting soon so there you go that's true um, cool well, it, if you are gonna get into it you gotta give it like two or three episodes it's kind of like game of thrones but the complete opposite where you're there like what the hell is going on and then you get ben ben doesn't think it's like game of thrones <laughs> that's, a, that's a hilarious hilarious comparison <laughs> bachelor who is like game of thrones i he's the most watched show in america oh yeah oh, oh my god <laughs> Oh my God, this is too much for me. Well, um, Ben, before, before we let you go, we like, we gotta let, we have to let you get your St. Patty's day drink, but, uh, we got a quick game lined up for you here. So we have six people listed here. Jordan, we can go every other, if you want, if you're looking at the dock right now, we have six people listed. Some of these players played major league baseball. Some of them played another professional sport. Hmm. Your goal is to Tell us if this person played Major League Baseball or not. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. So we got six lined up. So I'm going to start off. Candy Lachance. Did he play baseball or not? Mm. Um, I know Candy Cummings played baseball. He invented the curveball. I'm going to say no, he did not. Ah, uh, incorrect. He did uh, play from 1893 to 1905. Actually did play with the uh, Boston, wasn't the Red Sox at that point, but uh, the Boston Americans. Um, was okay. actually born in Connecticut, fun fact. So Okay, 0 for uh, 1. 0 for 1. It's all good, though. Jordan? All good. All right. We're going to go with Howard Pierce Buck. His, actual, his nickname is Cub Buck. Did he play baseball? <laughs> Cub Buck. I'm going to say no. Ooh, he did not. He was a former professional football player, um, played in Green Bay, uh, was mainly an offensive tackle, and fun fact, he was born in Eau Claire County in Wisconsin. That's where my long snapping coach lived. Look at that. All right. Full circle, full circle. One, one, one for one two. One for two. All right. All right. All right. Here's the next one. We've got, I'm not going to give you his real name this time, Vinegar Bend Mizzle. No. No way. 100% did. 100% played baseball. What? <laughs> 100% played when? baseball. Uh, I'm pulling up his baseball reference page right now. You're going you're gonna to share these guys on your, your Twitter his now, name, right? His name on baseball vinegar, is Vinegar Bend Mizzle. I'll, 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 send oh. it. I'll send you a DM with it. Um, he actually pitched for nine seasons between 52 and 62. Um, only pit, actually pitching 268 oh. games. So I've never seen reliever. I see so many baseball reference pages and I've never seen his. I'm disappointed in myself. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. I, I, I already found him. That's all right. <laughs> <Just like a laughs> vinegar baseball player. Yeah. Shows up. Uh, Jordan, what do you got? All right. We got a fun one here. Sugar cane and cane is spelled C A I N. Sugar cane. Yes. We're really stumping you here. We wanted to give you the tough ones. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm going to say no again. No, he was. It was. A it was. All right. Well, that means that the other pitch. guys did not. Yeah. Well, fun fact about <laughs> Trigger Kane. He is the only pitcher in MLB history to pitch so hard that the seams on the baseballs would come off mid-game. Man, that was a tough, that was a tough one, guys. All right. That's not Can't an actual I... fact. I figured I'd throw that out there. <laughs> 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 All right. what, what are the other ones? Let's see. We got two more. Actually, here, Ben, I'll give it to you. One of them 
did play major league baseball and one of them didn't play major league baseball okay in the, le- in the next two i'll give you how about i'll give you both their names just for sake of time okay okay we've got bruce Shoebottom and cannonball titcomb <laughs> one of them played major league baseball <laughs> we had to save cannonball titcomb for last i mean he has to be the baseball player right okay yeah titcomb yeah. 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 Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bruce Shoebottom was a former Boston Bruin. Only played, I think, in like twenty career NHL games. I actually put decided to put his hockey reference page on here. Wow, those are good, man. Those well, yeah. well done. Because I've That's never awesome. seen those. I pretty much I post these a lot, right? And and I pretty much just like look up random words and baseball <laughs> reference and see if anything comes up. And there, you know, and I also look through a lot of rosters of like. Or like I'll look through like league, like names of people in the league, like the old uh, federal league or mm-hmm. like the whatever league. So I've never come across those guys. So well, <laughs> well, well done, you've stumped awesome. me. Awesome, that was the goal. No, I'm kidding. That wasn't the goal, but <laughs> no, definitely, definitely awesome. feel free to share them on the baseball reference page. Sure, um, sure. Definitely some random names. I mean, definitely can't. I know oh, you're talking it. about sugar and candy earlier, so we got candy, sugar. Love it. Um, and obviously. You know, podcasts were a pro cannonball titcom yeah. podcast. So cannonball, unbelievable, man. Yeah, ah, awesome. Well, Ben, before we let you head out, drop drop the Twitter handle for us. So uh yeah, listeners can give you a follow. Very easy. It's at Ben13 Porter. Ben13 Porter. I'll make sure to uh share that when we share the episode on Twitter to definitely tag you in that. But sounds um, good, guys. Awesome, Ben. Well, hey, thank you so much for hopping on. I know you're a busy man, so we appreciate the time. Um, if there's ever anything we can do to help you out, uh, definitely feel free to reach out to us. We definitely appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, nice Ben. Meeting you, buddy. Yeah, you too, man. You too. It was great. <laughs> Thank you so much to Ben Porter hopping on the podcast. It's been a while since I've seen him, probably since we graduated high school, to be honest. So nice to get him on the show. Definitely a uh, nice guy, knowledgeable guy, funny guy. So definitely make sure to follow him on Twitter. Like he said, at Ben the number 13 Porter Um, without any further ado, we're going to kick it off in the NBA and Jordan's actually got some breaking news when uh, the time you might be listening to this might not be breaking news, but Jordan. Yes, we do. So from sources, more specifically, Woj Houston is trading PJ Tucker, uh, Radion's Karuch and Bucks 2022 first round pick back to Milwaukee for DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson and a 2023 unprotected first round pick. And in return, because of that, uh, Milwaukee is trading forward Torrey Craig to Phoenix. We do not know what Milwaukee is getting in return just yet at the moment, but I'm sure within the next five to ten minutes, we will know. Wow. I think that's a huge move for the Bucks. I don't know how much it's going to help the Rockets right now, maybe in the future. I don't mm. actually really even haven't heard of too many of those guys. Um, I mean, Torrey Craig, DJ Augustine, obviously, have been guys who have been around for a while, but Definitely going to be interesting for the Bucks getting a role player in P.J. Tucker. I know he'd been rumored to a few contenders, so that's going to be a big move for them. I know we've talked about them getting some depth off the bench and getting some role players, so P.J. Tucker, uh, excited to see what he can do in Milwaukee. I agree, and what's good is uh, Houston just got Christian Wood back, um, and this is in his absence, they were 0-16. I know we talk, we've been talking about them the past couple of weeks, but I think it's they played tonight or tomorrow night. Um, I'm not positive which one, but hopefully they can. No, they play tonight against Golden State. So okay. hopefully they can rewrite the ship against Golden State tonight and rewrite their season. So, Jordan, I know we're a big transition podcast. So who do you have for your hitter of the week? 
My hitter of the week, since Before we were the talking trade. about him, how about the Bucks, baby? I, I feel like I haven't talked about him enough this season, mostly because they started the season 15 and 13, but they have won nine and one in their last 10 and currently on a four game win streak. Currently, right now, they are losing to Philly, uh, 25 to 18 without Embiid, which is a big thumbs up for me. Uh, in that, in the past three games, uh, Giannis has had a triple double in each game on March 11th. 24 points, 10 assists, and 10 boards, 66.7 from the field uh, percent, I should say, one for one from three, and a plus 34 on the plus-minus differential. Then on March 13th, my dad's birthday, 33 points, 11 assists, and 11 boards, 63.2% from the field, two for four from three, and seven for eight from the free throw line. And then a couple days ago, two days ago, on March 15th, 31 points, 15 assists, 10 boards, 63.2% from the field again, one for two from three, and also piled up three steals. So Giannis has been on a tear lately. He's looked like he's playing well, making some really good passes in the Philly game right now. So good to see that he's he's already been really good this year. Now he's playing more like that MVP caliber player that we've seen the past two seasons. So really good for Giannis there. Um and in all those other game, in all those same games, a bench player also played very well. Uh, the first one, I believe it's Brian Forbes or Bryn Forbes. There's no A in it, but it looks like that's what looks it like is. Bryn. Bryn Forbes, 21 points, seven for nine from the field, seven for seven from three. So didn't hit anything inside the three point line. Crazy. Uh, and that was done in 18 minutes. Again, that was on 311. 313, Bobby Portis, 14 points, eight boards. Four from eight from three-point line in 22 minutes. And then Bobby Portis again on the 15th, 13 points, another game with eight boards, and six from nine from the field in 16 minutes. So it looks like he got a lot of bench help. The other starters around him uh, all played solid, but he definitely got that extra bump from the bench. Granted, they played the Knicks and the Wizards twice in those games, but it just goes to show the Wizards were getting good for a little bit. The Knicks kind of turned their season around. Um, and the Bucs just kind of stopped out their fires. So it was good to see that the Bucs were able to finally get on this big run, keep that run going. Let's see if they can continue it in Philly tonight. Right now, it looks like that is unlikely to happen. Yeah, and I, I love you hearing about Bobby Portis of the fantasy basketball team Celtics are the balls um, because Bobby Portis is on my basketball, it's on my fantasy team. So mm-hmm. shout out to the, uh, the Bucs for that. The team that I got um, as my hitter of the week, and we were just talking about them, Jordan. You're going to like this one. I do have the Philadelphia 76ers. More specifically, I've got Tobias Harris. Uh, since the absence of Joel Embiid, Jordan is pumping his chest right now, uh, or fist bumping his chest right now. But uh, Tobias Harris has been huge. In his last four games, so pretty much since the All-Star break, uh, 19.6 points per game. from the field, 6.5 rebounds a game and four assists a game. His average point differential per night is plus 17, not including that Knicks game where they only won by three last night. It was, I believe, plus 22 when I was checking last night before the stats were in basketball reference. So Tobias Harris may have been an all-star snub, but definitely adding the depth that Philadelphia needs. Definitely showing that is a big three, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid when he returns. The fact that they've won their last six, eight of their last 10 is huge. 
the uh, Embiid missed, uh, him and Simmons both missed that first game back from the All-Star game, and then we all saw Embiid go down with the knee injury. Definitely looked a lot worse. I don't know if you saw it live, Jordan. I know I didn't see it mm-hmm. live, but I did see it the next morning. I, If I saw that live, I would have thought he tore his ACL. Just the, just the way he landed. So promising. Not all that yeah, and I mean, no, and his history too, just with all the knee trouble, mm-hmm. all the leg troubles he's had at his height. So promising for the 76ers, even if he has to miss a month where they're sitting in the standings, even if they, even if they finish, they're going to finish no worse than third. I mean, really, I know the Heat are starting to quote unquote heat up, but uh, it's, it's really, I think they're going to be okay. The, the biggest thing I have here uh, prior to the Knicks game last night, Philadelphia, uh, when they have their four starters on the floor with another player, they've allowed 124 points per 97 possession. Now, again, that's only in 97 minutes, so nothing to stress too much about. Last night against the Knicks, they only gave up 96 points. So their defense has been solid, but when Embiid's off the court uh, and they have their starters and their backup center, whoever, whether it's Dwight Howard or somebody else, when they go a small ball lineup, is a little bit concerning. But as we all see with the Nets, defense doesn't really matter. No, definitely not. And speaking of the Nets defense not mattering, they're currently losing 43 to 27 to the Pacers. Wow. So funny that you bring that up there. But Sixers have been playing lights out, you know, and they're doing really well against the Bucs right now. Um, Furkan Korkmaz uh, has been playing out of his mind. Um, I have stats in know. the last three games if you want to hear them. Yeah, please share them with the group. I, not, not including the Knicks game, though. He didn't have the best Knicks game. Still scored double digits. Just mm-hmm. Knicks defense is good, so I'll give them that. Korkmaz had six, uh, the three games before that, 16.7 points a game coming off the bench, 53.1 from the field, and 60% exactly from three, averaging mm-hmm. about five three-point attempts a game. So knocking down three of those is huge. Again, showing the depth of Philly. I know Shake Milton hasn't been super sharp. I know he came uh, he hit the ground running to, uh, per se, but mm-hmm. Korkmaz definitely uh, picking up the slack there. So definitely showing that Philly's got some depth heading into the playoffs. Yeah, and that's what I was really excited about this year. And I think pretty sure I said it on the first episode, Philly's deep. And that's something they haven't been in a while. Normally, they rock with the same six, seven guys. They have a lot of different players that can rotate in. Shake Milton was obviously getting hot towards the middle of the season. Tobias Harris finally looking like an all-star when he hasn't been for most of his career. You got Danny Green and Seth Curry, who will have a good night here and there. Freaking Korkmaz, who's doing really well now. And then... Tyrese Maxey, who can come in at the beginning of the year when Ben Simmons goes down with COVID and just pop threes and just score 20 to 30 points a game on a three-game stretch. So this team is just so much deeper than it's ever been before. And that's struggling, help uh, having other teams' offenses struggle, especially on the defensive side. And then we just have quick transition. And again, all this relates to the Doc Rivers effect some way, somehow. Just a great way to get guys into the right position, playing in the right role. Yes, Ben Simmons' points aren't what we're used to seeing, but that's not the type of player he is for this style offense. So I'm really excited for what Philly's going to do for the remainder of the season and even more excited when Embiid is fully healthy, ready to rock uh, once his leg recovers. Good thing it was just a hyperextension, you know, because it yeah, did look like a tear initially. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And the whole Eastern Conference right now, I know we've mentioned Philly, who's the one seed. The Bucks would be the three seed if the season ended today. I know the Nets have won five in a row. The Heat have won five mm-hmm. in a row. They're sitting at fourth in the East the right Hawks now. Hawks have won five in a row. Hawks won six in a, uh, six. Six in a row now yeah, after last, last night. night. 
the Hornets have won four in a row. Every team in that top seven, except for the Boston Celtics, have won, <laughs> uh, have a winning streak of four games or more. So it'll definitely be interesting. I think the Celtics will come back around. Their schedule is easing up. So if they don't win uh, a good amount of these next few games, yes, they do have the Bucks twice in Milwaukee, which is definitely going to be tough back-to-back games but expecting them to come out full force there. Kemba won't have to play back-to-back games at all, so that'll be important for the Celtics. But uh, moving it out west a little bit, uh, the Jazz, uh, shout-out to James. I, I hopped on his show last night. Celtics, again, had a little bit of a rough loss, but definitely a very competitive game against the Jazz. Uh, kind of fell apart there defensively in the fourth quarter, but that's beyond the beyond the point. The Jazz, a lot of TNT was saying they're coming back down to earth a little bit, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. They're two and three in the month of March. They did start out one and three, but that went against the Celtics last night. Jordan, if you're a jazz fan, if you're James, I know James isn't too concerned. They're still the one seed. I want to say they're two and a half up on both Phoenix and LA. Yes. And four up on the Clippers. Would you have any concern if you are the jazz? I mean, you can't obviously win every game, but would you be concerned at all about losing that one seed come the end of the season? Nope, because for the reason you just said there, you're going to lose games. And two and three is fine for this point of the season. Right after the All-Star break, kind of, you know, coming, not a slump. Um, They definitely, towards the All-Star break, started to not skid a little bit, but they were definitely, like, letting up more points than they normally do, not keeping games as uh, wide margin as they normally do. So I think it's just kind of that All-Star game effect where they're like, okay, slow down, slow down. All right, let's ramp it back up. I'm telling you, in two weeks, you're going to be back to 5-0 and in five games and then going 8-2, and 9-1 and in a 10-game stretch. They're the best team in the NBA. They'll figure it out, and they'll be dominant. Yeah, they definitely have a tough stretch, too. Road trip. Uh, they were in Golden State the other night, Celtics mm-hmm. last night. They're going to Washington. I know Washington hasn't been great. Toronto's been struggling and Chicago. So they're not going to the best teams in the East, but any road trip out on the East Coast for a West Coast team and vice versa can definitely be challenging. Uh, The biggest thing that I had on the Jazz was just from their loss to the Warriors. Uh, Rudy Gobert, I don't know if you saw the stat line there. He put up 24 and 28 in four blocks. So, and they they still lost. Uh, The biggest thing that I had written down here was that the Jazz outscored the Warriors by 11 points when Rudy Gobert was on the floor. He was on the floor for about 32 and a half minutes. On the 15 minutes and 30 seconds that he wasn't on the floor, they were outscored by 23 points. So shows that Gobert's definitely a X factor on that defense. Last night against the Celtics, too, just watching them, the Celtics outscored them in the paint. Jalen Brown was kind of doing whatever he wanted. They, I think they, at one point, the Celtics had 32 points in the paint in the first half alone. Um, they were taking advantage of Derek Favors. That was the biggest thing is when Gobert wasn't on the court because Gobert, you know, was an X factor in that game, had a huge dunk on Daniel Tice. So definitely, I don't want to say they need another big man, but because, I mean, Gobert's great, but just... Derek Favors looked like the Celtics were just bullying him. Um, and mm-hmm. obviously, Gobert, obvious defensive player of the year candidate, just the, the stats alone. You see what what's happening when he's not on the floor, kind of like Embiid, too. The mm-hmm. Phillies defense, obviously, is not as good, not saying it's bad. Simmons is a great defensive player, but uh, definitely tough. So something to keep an eye out for. I wouldn't be concerned about it, but just to keep an eye out when Gobert's off the floor, kind of like as a Celtics fan, whenever Jason Tatum's off the floor, you see shit kind of hits the fan a little bit. So... That's what happens when you have your best players. But like you said, Jordan, that's important. That's why Philly's doing what they're doing. Mm, exactly. And Gobert getting 28 boards in one game. There's guys that don't even get that in a 10-game stretch. Like, that's just crazy to think about for Gobert to do that all in one game against a team like Golden State, 
who obviously not the best rebounding team in the world, but very aggressive on offense. You know, yeah. you would think some balls would come back their way. Um, but that just goes to show how good Gobert is in the paint. Yeah, and definitely the Warriors are a little bit of a smaller team as well. They're not going to crash the glass as much, no. uh, really. Draymond Green's playing the five sometimes in that rotation. Kelly Oubre over at the four. So not as big as uh, some other teams, such as the Jazz. Um, awesome. Uh, anything else you had on the NBA? I know I had one more point I wanted to make, or I guess maybe a late hit and late NBA hit, but I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to add, Jordan. Yeah, nothing about any games, but Elijah Millsap, uh, he played for the Jazz around 2014-2015, made a claim in that same time frame uh, that longtime Jazz executive Dennis Lindsay uh, made a derogatory comment during practice to him, and the direct comment from Elijah Millsap's Twitter was, if you, if you say one more word, I'll send your black ass back to Louisiana. And that's just very alarming. Like that to me, like that hurts me just saying that in reference. That just, if that was actually said, that's really bad. The NBA is investigating it. They're getting some outside investigation companies or services to look into it as well. Really shitty if that's the case, because that's something you never want to hear in general. And people will make the argument, well, that's not racist. He's not called, like, he's not saying anything about him, but it's, the insinuation of using that word like all oh, just like if you keep talking to me like i'll just kick you out of practice no he's using black ass back to louisiana and i say that because we need to bring attention to these types of things where it's not viewed as as serious with people that look like jack and i but it is a much bigger issue for other people who are a different color or a different race uh than jack and i are so i think just bringing that up in a show like this just will draw more awareness to it. You can think whatever you want about it, but the fact is that that's wrong for an executive to say. And I it's think wrong because, for anyone to say, for anyone to say, you're exactly right. And I think with the executive saying it, it's almost heightened and almost worse if it's let slide. Not even almost worse. It is worse if they let it slide because it's like he's in a position of power. We can't really do anything. Obviously, he's not with the Jazz anymore, but still, like that's just just sick that they're that it's even a question. You know, and you can make the argument, well, why didn't he come out in 2015 and say it? The climate wasn't what it is now than it was in 2015. Yeah. Like, it's a lot more open to have these discussions, you know? Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, obviously, I'm happy that you brought this up. I don't want to get too, too much into it, but um, I think also, too, and 2015, social media was still a thing, but just the way social media is now, six years later, hard to believe 2015 was six years ago, but just the way social mm -hmm. media is now, I think around that time too is when Steve Ballmer, the the former owner of the Clippers, made those really, really bad comments that I don't even want to just repeat with the the Clippers and just it was really bad. So yeah. Um definitely don't want oh sorry, not Steve Ballmer. He's the current owner. My apologies. It was Donald Sterling. My bad. I, I mixed the, the names there, but it was Donald Sterling who made those really nasty derogatory comments. Um so definitely don't want to um, you know, endorse that at all, but, um, I'm happy you brought it up because it's something that definitely is a problem and I'm happy that it was brought to the attention of, you know, executives and they immediately, um, you know, cut his ties with the jazz. Um, yep. And I do want to correct myself. He still is with the jazz oh, okay. and also they did an investigation. The first findings that they had, there's nothing on it. There's no hardcore evidence yet. There's still, it's still ongoing, but I don't know how much longer it's going to go on for. Normally after the first investigation, you're lucky if it goes on for another week or two, Yeah, you know, so we'll see how, how much longer they keep at it. 
you know, if he did say it, I hope they find it. And I hope they, it turns, I don't want to say, I hope it turns back on him, but he should not be in that seat any longer. If he did say something like that, if they don't find proof, that doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't say it. It just means that there was no actual proof to prove that he did say it. He could have easily said it and it's just getting not swept under the rug, but there's no proof. So there's no way of actually knowing if it was said or not. Yeah. You know, that's definitely tough. Um, I did actually have one more NBA note because I do want to end on a happier note. Go uh, for it. March 13th, 2021. You know what that was, Jordan? Ooh, my dad's birthday. Oh, well, happy <laughs> birthday to your dad. I know you mentioned that yes. a little bit earlier. I, did. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say no because it was his birthday, but uh, the first ever day in NBA history where five players recorded a triple double. Wow. I have Giannis and Westbrook. I know you're talking about one of those uh, games. Giannis and Westbrook both had one in the same game, which is pretty interesting. I think that was the sixth or seventh time in NBA history that's happened where two players had a triple-double in the same game. We had James Harden against Detroit, put up 24, 10, and 10. Sabonis against the Suns, 22 points, 13 boards, 10 assists. And then Julius Randle versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 12 assists. So, Jordan, I just have another question for you. I know I'm asking you a lot of questions today. You're good. I know we talk a lot about how Steph Curry changed the game with the three-pointer. Even Dame Lillard, Lillard, I know, is getting a lot of love for also kind of contributing to that. I think Steph maybe started it, but Dame endorsed it. Um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook gets a lot of crap, I feel like. I know he wasn't great in Houston. Washington hasn't been good. The guy's still averaging almost a triple-double a game. He's averaging nine rebounds, nine, over nine rebounds, over nine assists. Did yeah. Russell Westbrook change the game of basketball. Yes, I, okay. I agree. I will 100% say that because his – and I don't know why he gets a lot of flack. Like, I know he wasn't great in Houston, but he still brings ferocity, still brings intensity. He's one of the most aggressive dunkers and cutters to the basket that I've seen play in a long time, especially for his size. Just his freak athleticism, athleticism is something else to behold, and he definitely changed the game of basketball because he's a guy that you look at someone his size and his position, like they're not aggressive. They're going to sit back, dish it to someone else. They're not going to go for a board and get in with the other guys that are 6'10", 7 foot. Like he's the scrappy guy that's going to go in and say, nope, I'm better than you. I'm tougher than you. I'm going to get this board. Then I'm going to chuck it 80 feet down court to my teammate for a dunk. And then I'm going to come back and shoot a three right in your face yeah. later. Like yeah. I, Westbrook, as passively I've been watching basketball and more obviously more so now, he's been one of my favorite players in and throughout over the past, what, 10 seasons now he's been in the NBA, uh, maybe longer? Yeah, I think 11 or 12. I think yeah, he was 11 drafted or 12. in oh, – he was actually drafted by the Supersonics, and then yep. they moved like three days later technically. Yeah, so literally. his draft pictures are in a Supersonics uniform, even though we all knew at that point they were going to OKC. Yes. Uh, but I, sure. I agree with you too. Definitely changed the game. I think it's just kind of like the same thing with Curry. A guy hits 303 pointers in a year now. It's like, okay, he had a really good year. Guy – shoots 50% from three. All right. Yeah. He, he's having a good year. Guy hits a 35 foot shot. It's like, all right, cool. You say cool. Curry range, but Russell Westbrook, what he did when he won the MVP the first year, Durant wasn't there averaging a triple double that had like never been done before. He and now it, what, it's almost 42 games. He had a triple double. Yeah. NBA something record. crazy like that. Or, yeah, exactly. So, and then just the fact too, that it's just now guys, like five guys in one night. I know that's like, obviously not just Russell Westbrook. Like it's not, he's the, he's not the reason that guys are having triple doubles, but just kind of the nonchalantness of like, eh, like five guys had a triple double in one night. Like, that's pretty cool. I feel like just the art of the triple double Russ does it. And we're just like, cool. The wizards still suck. Like it's all Russ's fault. So 
I just don't get that. Yeah, I, I don't either. So I think Russ needs more respect. If you watch, if you watch the TikToks, I have him as my number seven point guard overall in the NBA right now. Still, because I would love to have him on my team. No disrespect mm-hmm. to Kemba Walker, but I would love to have him. <laughs> I I think when he's the only, I don't want to say the only superstar, because when he was Bradley when, Beal. Oh, oh yeah. When, I mean, I like Bradley Bill. Yeah. I think he's a great ball player, and he's yeah. showing it off this year now that John Wall isn't there. But my point about Russell Westbrook is that when he's the main guy and there's a supporting cast around him rather than another superstar, I think that's when we see the best version of Russell Westbrook because he's the guy that can step up and be like, yep, this is my team. Let me take you to the promised land, and let's go get a win. Yeah, I mean, he did have Paul George for a good amount of time as well. Um, That's there. true. I think the, first, the year he won MVP, I think George got there in 2018 or 2017, 2018 season because I think George was there for two years, if I'm mm. not mistaken. Uh, so he did have Paul George as a teammate for two years. He didn't even have Melo, I think, for a year or two there as well. But Melo was more of a bench player there. But um, other than that, really not much else in the NBA. I know we talked about the Hawks winning six in a row. They have a very unique road trip coming up. Uh, they play eight straight games on the West Coast. They play wow. both LA's, Utah, Phoenix. They go to San Antonio, Dallas, and New Orleans. So uh, bull take here. I actually don't even want to say a bull take. If the Hawks go 500 on that eight-game road trip, they will make the playoffs. They will be in the top mm-hmm. 10 of the East. If they don't, I don't know. They still could, but I don't think they will. They could. They could. Awesome. Well, NFL, baby. NFL. I, if you saw the meme that we made on Friday, this kind of smirk wouldn't be on my face. (laughs) And then it's, oh my God. I'm like, I'm happy. I'm just going to say I'm happy with the Patriots making moves, but I'm also just happy just because a lot of guys are changing teams. And I think that's the most exciting part about all of this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I'm just, I'm happy. Go for yep. it. And with the cap going down 8%, and really you could argue went down 16% because it was projected to, I think, be – it's been going up by $12 million every year. So it was supposed to be another $12 million higher. So I think it was going to be like $208 million as the cap, and now it comes down to $182 million, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it's supposed to be two oh six. excuse me, and now it's down to one eighty two. So now it's like, wow, like – you're not only losing 12 million, you're losing an additional 12 million on top of that. So that's just to me, uh, or excuse me, it's 20 million. I got my math wrong, but still, it's really down. We're not 16%. a math podcast. Yeah, it's we're okay. not. We don't have the actuaries on here. Yeah, we got to get our numbers guys so, on here. We do. We I do. I mean, Ben's, ben, ben was a numbers guy. Exactly. He is. He yeah. is a numbers guy. So it's not it's that's why we're seeing so many guys get released because before covid we were expecting a lot of contracts were backloaded so we were expecting a lot of these teams to have 40 more million dollars than what they do right now and they don't and that's really become a struggle within not not that each team has 40 million dollars more but the league in itself has 40 million dollars more um so that's that's a lot of that's probably three or four players that a team can keep and now they got to get rid of alshon jeffrey just got released adoree jackson who was a first round corner in 2019 uh 2017 got released he's really good you know so guys are getting dropped left and right that you normally would not see in any respect whatsoever yeah and this free agency period has been awesome. There's still a lot of wild pickups happening. Cardinals made a lot of moves today, which I was super AJ happy Green. about. A- AJ Green, we traded for Rodney Hudson, and then we just picked up Matt Prater about oh, an wow, hour okay. ago. Yeah, okay. which is – I'm so happy that we have a kicker now. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag get Rod on the Cardinals. Yes, get Rod on the Cardinals. So um, I was really happy about that. 
I know yeah. he's on the older side, but still, some it's a two year, seven million dollar deal. Yes, Adam Vinatieri. Um, yeah, but before I guess, I know we had a couple moves we wanted to talk about. We gotta, I guess, start out talking about specific players. We gotta start out mm. with Drew Brees. Have to. Uh, I, I saw this coming. I know some people were like, oh, he signed with NBC, like right after he retired. I was like, I'm pretty sure he had that deal signed. I think I said it on this show right after the Bucks Saints game. Yeah. Uh, but Jordan, I'll keep the questions coming for you. Yes. Where does Breeze rank for you all time? You don't have to give me a specific number, but like a range or a tier. I know it's a, t- it's a loaded question. For, for me, he's number three. And okay. it goes Tom Brady – Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Joe Montana, Aaron Rodgers in that order. Okay. That's my top five. Gotcha. You know, and, and I'll get a lot of flack that, yeah, I have three players or four players, four players. who were dominant in the tw- like mid 2000s to the late or late 2010s to 2020s. You know, so I'll get a lot of flack for that. But when you boil it down and you look at stats of previous quarterbacks, like Brett Favre was a good quarterback. But is he top five? Not with the guys that are playing now. Aaron Rodgers is light years ahead of what Brett Favre was. And I do give Aaron Rodgers a lot of shit because I'm like, he's surrounded by talent. He's either always had a good defense, always had good receivers, or always had a good running game. And this year in particular, he had all three, which he's never had before in his career. But I'm not going to take that away from him because he's a very efficient passer, one of the most accurate, barely throws interceptions. You know, like that's those are traits that you don't see in a quarterback ever. And he does those things. So it would be irresponsible for me not to put him in the top five, but Drew Brees is number three. Okay. Especially given his story. Goes to the Chargers, does well there, dislocates his shoulder, and they don't have any faith in him. So he goes to a new city that literally just shuff, uh, suffered a tragedy Two in Hurricane Katrina. And 14 mm-hmm. before he got there. Yep. Just awful, awful franchise and really turns it around. Four years later, got him a Super Bowl. Lots of NFC champion, uh, not NFC championship, but NFL NFC playoff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, playoff appearances, division titles, uh, passing titles for Drew Brees was the original passing yard uh, record holder. Uh, had the most completions ever in a season. Had the highest completion percentage um, in a season. He's second highest in completion percentage all time, I believe, behind Aaron Rodgers, if I'm correct. Uh, Deshaun Watson, technically, Uh, I actually got the stats here, but it's like NFL reference counts it as like a minimum of 1500 pass attempts or something. I didn't check how many Watson has, but interesting. Okay. But either way, still like out of all the uh, quote unquote old heads, he's (laughs) the most accurate quarterback. There was, there's a great video from sports science where they had the world's like premier archers, like literally like win awards for archery. And they put, they put archers and they did they did the math like based on the speed and trajectory of the bow and arrow they put drew Brees's target i think it was either the same distance or a couple of feet closer it was still from pretty far out drew Brees was more accurate with a football on a bullseye than an archer was who's literally the best in the world at what they do with a bow and arrow my favorite part about sports science was back in the day when they'd be like, and he throws it 4.525 spin <laughs> spirals per minute. And they throw out just these random ass numbers that no one gave a shit about. But my, they just my- threw it out and made it sound like, like you think the fucking dude at home, the 55 year old dude at home, like drinking a Bud Light watching Sports Center gives a flying fuck? Probably <laughs> not. So I don't know. That's just my take on. Um, oh, I sports love science. sports science. No, I loved it. I was the guy. Oh, I forget his name now, but just oh, like. I- 
like it was almost like i don't know if you guys know who tim kirchin is the espn baseball guy yeah look up who it is jordan but he would be like yeah and drew Brees throws the ball at 97 miles per hour <laughs> and his voice would just pitch up and then he'd be like and the crazy stat is too and he'd just keep going higher and higher so that was very interesting yeah john brankis is a man that was his name yeah yes. i love him yes um but yes. my favorite was they did they were doing jump balls with calvin johnson and they said his jumping radius was the length of a double decker width of a garage. Like, wow. and I'm like, that's actually insane that that's he, nuts. that he could jump that entire distance off one foot. That's nuts. You know? uh, back um, to, but, yeah, I say back to breeze. Uh, I, I have my stats on breeze. So go for career, it. Career wise, 172 and 114 as a starter, uh, 80,358 passing yards right now at this moment in time is the only player with 80,358 passing yards or with over 80,000, I should say 571 touchdowns, which is second all time, as we were saying, second all time in completion percentage at 67.7%, uh, 7,142 completions first all time. And he ha- also has 36 career fourth quarter comebacks. So that's 36. That's third all time. I know a lot of people don't pin Drew Brees as kind of the comeback King, but definitely third all time up there. I know Jordan listed his top five, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to just throw mine out real quick. I think when Breeze first was rumored to retire, I had him in the five, six mark. So right now, my top five all time, first two are the same as Jordan. I got Brady and Peyton Manning. Number three, I do have Joe Montana. Number four, I do have Dan Marino. Now I know Mm. people will throw out, oh, he never won a Super Bowl. But for what he did in his time is just, unheard of. I mean, he threw for 5,000 yards. He was throwing for multiple, like he's still in top 10 all times of passing touchdowns. I know Montana's like 18th, I want to say on that list. Uh, so Marino's definitely up there. And then number five, I do have Breeze. I was thinking Elway because Elway definitely had the team success, played in five Super Bowls, won two of them. But just looking at the stats, I mean, Breeze is number one, number two, and number three. And a lot, actually really number one or number two, and a lot of the major categories. He went to New Orleans. He tr- basically took that team from 2-14 and 14 to a NFC Championship game appearance, changed that franchise around. So I uh, have to have him at number five for that reason. Would probably put Elway six, Roger seven, but I would have to look a little bit more into it um, for sure there. But uh, Jordan, I know I've been saying I've asked you a lot of questions. What do you think of the Taysom Hill deal? Taysom Hill deal now and you think he's going to be starting because now we see Jameis is coming back. Yeah, I I think he will be starting. And I also believe – because he went three and one in games he started. I know they didn't play the best teams in that stretch, but still played incredibly well in those games. And also, all the years on his deal are voidable, so they can completely say, nope, you're done, and then he's a free yeah. agent as soon as they void that deal. So I think that's – I think it's smart for the Saints to do that. I think it gives him a good safety net. And his first year is a pretty low contract for a starter. So if he doesn't do great the first year, awesome. You're not, we're not honoring the next three years. See ya. But if he's great and he's awesome, he's making really good money, you yeah. know? And I think if Taysom Hill's, a, I love Taysom Hill personally. I think he's an awesome gadget player. But I think what we saw when he was a starting quarterback role showed that he's an NFL starting quarterback in this league. And, like, James is great, too. It's just James's track history is much worse than Taysom Hill's. I think especially. you got to give James a chance on a new team. Yes, I do. I not, agree. Not saying not the Saints, like, as the new team, but, like, mm-hmm. not on the Bucks. Exactly. You know, and 
I think Taysom's going to be on the field 90% of the time. I think they are going to give Winston some drives to give him some reps and try to get him involved as much as they can. And on those drives, we might see Taysom move to running back or wing style position like he's used to playing. So I would love to see what they do with Taysom, especially on this deal and what he's going to do for the Saints going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think they should start Jameis. I think it's going to come down. This is going to be the first, and I think this is advantage for the Saints. They're going to have a full offseason. I know last offseason was a little bit weird. So that may have been, too, part of the reason why you didn't see Jameis start in those games. Mm. Uh, I think it was those four games where Breeze was out because Taysom Mm -hmm. Hill already knew the offense. He had played quarterback for them before. So I think that's part of the reason. So I think it's, I think it's going to be a competition. I I think Taysom's going to go in as the starter to start the season, but you never know injuries. I know Taysom Hills had some injury troubles here and there in the past struggles of the game. I mean, who knows, maybe the Saints start out one and two, one and three, and they're going to Jameis right away. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Definitely tough for them. They have some tough defenses in that division. I know the Panthers are getting better. I know the Falcons aren't great, but they're working towards getting better. And then obviously we saw what the Bucs did to the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely will be interesting to see what happens out of New Orleans for sure. Um, Awesome. Well, a couple other moves we got here. Aaron Jones to the Packers. You like that? I do like that. Yep. I really like that deal because it's friendly for both sides. Aaron Jones gets top tier running back money and the Packers are protected. And also, without Aaron Jones, that Packers offense does not click as well as it does. And especially with losing Corey Lindsley in free agency to the Chargers, getting your star running back uh, back into the offense was a, a must, a huge must for this offense and this team. Yeah, I was, I was reading up on it a little bit too. It looks like if he opts or if the Packers cut ties with him after 2023, I believe, mm-hmm. or maybe it was after, no, it was after 2022. So before the 2023 season, uh, they would, it would count towards six and a half million towards dead money, but ultimately they would save 12.75 million. And I know AJ Dillon, bigger power back, he's not as much of a pass catcher, but they're thinking maybe that will be the time he comes up and rises. So at that mm-hmm. point, it would make maybe financial sense for them to cut him or restructure a deal. I mean, Aaron Jones is only 26, so this would, if he plays out all four years, would take him to his age 30 season, which we know is kind of that age, even a little bit younger. But really, 30 is kind of the mark, unless you're Frank Gore for mm-hmm. a running back. Uh, so definitely interesting. I, I think it's a good move. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones did have more rushing yards this year on less attempts and less games played. Uh, definitely didn't have as many touchdowns, but the Packers passing attack was definitely a lot stronger this year than it was in, than it was in, in 2019. So uh, definitely going to be interesting to see what they do in green Bay. I think that's a good move for them. Like you said, friendly for both sides. So I'm not going to reiterate mm-hmm. that too much, especially with the emergence of Robert Tunyon. Uh, yes. That definitely helped their passing attack, which e- even though Aaron Jones didn't score as much, he still did really well. And I believe he had yeah. three or four touchdowns through the air as well. So, uh, let's see. I got his football reference page right here. He only had two. He had three or in two. 2019, but still, he only played in 14 games. I know he had a couple games where he was injured. So definitely, mm-hmm. I think, you know, a good move for the Packers, you know, they're, they're, they're going all out. They got to try and win it all, but I think they want to get Rogers one more. Also, I know beginning of the year, they're talking about Rogers getting moved. I don't think that's happening, but no. this, this move, this signing of Aaron Jones, I think definitely helps the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yes. love-hate relationship that he has with <laughs> Green Bay. Um, and then yes. funny you mentioned Corey, Corey Lindsley on the Instagram post that we posted last night. I actually had Matt Filer from the Steelers as one of my guys I was excited about. Now he's with the Chargers and then Lindsley mm-hmm. going over to LA. 
I know I had Panay Suel going there in my mock draft and I'm trading up. I don't think they're going to do that now. Nope. Just given the fact that they went out in free agency and uh, got what they got. So I, I mean, chargers, I think are going to be, they're, they're, they're really competing. I don't know if they're the fa- They're obviously not going to be the favorites to win that division, but that division's a little weak. It's still a little bit banged up. Justin Herbert MVP. Okay. All right. Always. All right. Whenever hey, you bring up the help. chargers, that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Just like when we bring up the 2021 NBA champion, Phoenix Suns and uh, 2021 NBA MVP, Dame Lillard, uh, 50 yeah. points last night. Mm, come back. <laughs> mm, come back city. 10 assists. Mm, Dame Lillard. Uh, my jersey's in the mail right now. So, uh, yeah, no, I think Chargers are going to be good. Austin Eckler definitely needs all the help he can get up on the O-line. Justin Jackson, two-back attack, I think is going to be important. We've seen that in mm-hmm. Super Bowl champions in the past. Um, obviously, Sony Michelle had a huge year in 2018 for the Patriots, but they used multiple running backs. The Chiefs used multiple running backs. Playoff Lenny was obviously huge for the Bucks, but Rojo did his jobs when he needed to. So a two-back attack is going to be clutch. Austin Eckler's great, but I think Justin Jackson being there and having those two guys is definitely going to be very helpful for them. Um, what else? There's a team up here yeah. in New England that uh, made a few moves. Yeah, uh, just has, a few. Just a few. I think they've made more moves this like free agency than they have in like, the last three. I mean, I don't know if that's like true or not, but, um, no, the but that's accurate. That's Patriots accurate. and Jordan. If I forget, so. Jordan, you guys know me. I'm I'm not the biggest Cam Newton fan. Uh, it just, just it was tough. He's a year removed from sol- shoulder surgery last year, so I think this second year, I'm hoping a full off season. Jordan is a big advocate for OTAs and off season training, so yes. I think Cam Newton. I I wanna I wanna hop on the train. I think he is better. He's a good guy. He he's a nice guy. His teammates love him. So for that reason, I'm happy he's back. I don't want to say I'm completely happy, uh, but the Patriots, Hunter Henry. Johnu Smith, Matt Judon, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jaden Mills, and Jordan God Godchow. I I've never yeah, Gavin Godchow. Gavin Godchow. Godchow. I, right. I think Godchow. it's Godchow. Yeah. So making some moves both both ends of the ball. I mean, really, they got a D lineman, a linebacker, a safety, two tight ends, two wide receivers. So they got guys that they needed, especially the tight ends. I think that mm. was really what surprised a lot of people. Not saying that I called Hunter Henry to New England or anything. <laughs> but uh i mean hunter henry's a great pass blocker john is definitely a, a great ca- i mean they're both great receivers you know hunter henry's probably not gonna play a full season he hasn't in his whole nfl career i think john who even missed a game or two last year with injury so i think it's great that they're signing both of them for the safety net matt judon 30 and a half sacks since 2017 so it's going to be interesting. I don't, I'm not going to say they're the favorites in the AFC East right now. Definitely not. But I think the Bills are still up there. But I said it when we had Ross on here. I said 10-6 and six is a realistic goal for them if they sign a decent quarterback. I know Cam Newton might not be considered a decent quarterback. But I think with the moves that they made, they can definitely go 10-6. and six. Their schedule is not as challenging as it was last year. Or to no. 10 and 7, 11 and or whatever, whatever the schedule looks like this year. I know it's different. It might be different this year. It is. Yeah. But it's, they made a lot of necessary moves. And I think that's what happens with a lot of teams in free agency. They try to make the flashy move, they try to get the big time player, or they go after some sub package players for positions they may need or not need. 
I've never seen a team go after the positions they absolutely need like the Patriots have. And normally teams that go after big in free agency end up crashing. We saw that with the 2011 Eagles, I want to say, or 2010 Eagles when they formed the dream team. We've seen it with the Jets who have offered the most guaranteed money over the past 10 years and they've had the worst record to show for it. I, it's, you know, it's one of those things where on paper looks great, but we got to wait for the season. But if there's any team that's going to do well, it's the Patriots. And I think with Cam there, I've said it to all my friends and I'm getting a lot of shit for it, but Cam I haven't given you shit for it. I have not given you shit for it. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for not giving me shit. I'm saying most of my friends though. Um, Cam Noonan's going to go from a bottom three quarterback to top 15 next year. And that's because he has an actual receiver in Nelson Aguilar. Kendrick Bourne is very good. But like I said a couple of episodes ago, Hunter Henry and um, Hunter Henry and Kyle Pitts would be a great combo. Put Kyle Pitts in the slot. John U. Smith is a very similar player to Kyle Pitts. You could see that same sort of style offense that I was talking about a few episodes ago. You get bring Ted Karras back to play center because it looks like David Andrews is going to walk. Yeah, Rip, that's kind of sad. It is sad. He's an awesome player, and he's going to do really well no matter where he goes. You get a great run stopper in uh, Devin Gacho. You get Matt Judon, who's a very efficient pass rusher. You get Jalen Mills in the secondary, who's very good. And this Patriots team that was already really good two years ago is going to look just as good, if not better, coming into this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir. I'm excited for the Pats. I'm hyped. Uh, it reminds me a little bit, I think like every year there's a team in free agency and we all know free agency isn't over yet, but I think like two years ago, it was the Browns. I know they made some moves. They made the OBJ trade last year. I think it was the dolphins. They, and mm-hmm. I think the dolphins did what the Patriots did. They signed a lot of guys that they needed on the defensive end. I know they signed Van Noy last year, um, had some huge signings that they needed. So I think the Patriots took a very, I, it's weird to say that Bill Belichick may have taken a, uh, page out of brian flores in the dolphins playbook but i think i think he basically did because the very similar off seasons when you look at the signing there's no flashy names there i mean obviously hunter henry johnny smith fantasy football players i mean matt judon they're they're big names but they're not like jj watt names or kenny galladay names or uh you know quarterback names like brian fitzmagic no i'm just kidding Mm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um definitely interesting so i'm excited to see what they can do it's 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 going to be an interesting year. It's going to be an interesting off season for us to talk about it. Definitely mixes up our mock drafts a little bit. Yes. Uh, so be on the lookout for part two of that. Probably what we say, Jordan, end of April, right around when baseball season starts, maybe. Uh, end of March. End of right March. Beginning yeah. of April. So beginning yeah, yeah. of baseball season. So any other last moves? I think you had one more you wanted to discuss, Jordan. Yep. One more. And then two more that just popped up on my phone. Actually, Carl okay. Lawson to the Jets. I just wrote a blog. Um, actually two blogs about the best uh, top 12 uh, edge defenders and offensive linemen in the league. Carl Lawson was number 12 for edge defenders, only put up five and a half sacks, but his pressure rate was one of the highest in the league this year at a 10.1% pressure rate, which is how often he's either knocking down the quarterback, forcing the quarterback out of the pocket or actually sacking him. Um, And also over the past four seasons, he's top five out of all edge defenders in pass rush Actually, out of all players in general with pass rush pressure. So you throw Aaron Donald into that conversation, Chris Jones. He's top five over the past four seasons. So he's someone that doesn't put up a lot of sacks because he's he's had he's a very bad secondary behind him for most of his career. So the quarterback's getting the ball out before he can get there most times. Um, 
But yes, he goes to the Jets, who you could argue have a worse pass defense than the Bengals. They do have Marcus May. Bengals also had Jesse Bates. So that's, you know, it's tough. That, that's a tough, like, hey, like, is he really going to succeed in New York? We haven't seen an edge defender do well in New York in years. So new that'll coach, be – New yeah, coach. new coach. And Robert, Robert Sala is an awesome defensive mind. Yes. And I think he sees the potential in Lawson, and that's why he went after him. In free agency news recently, Curtis Samuel to Washington football team okay. reunites with Scary Terry, who was his college teammate, and they were in the same recruiting class. And former coach. Yes, and Ron former Rivera. coach Ron Rivera. So Curtis Samuel in Washington is going to be a huge weapon. I, I really love what he did last season. Over a thousand scrimmage yards, played a very efficient in that offense. Um, and then Gerald Everett to Seattle. Uh, Seattle's okay. trying to figure out their tight end situation. Tight end. Will Disley can't stay healthy, even though he's a very good tight end. So Gerald Everett becomes that more speedy pass catching catching option now that Greg Olson has retired. I think he's a. I think Gerald Everett. I picked him up one week in fantasy. I think he's a, a sleeper fantasy pick. I should. Ah, yep. oh, crap! Now everyone's gonna take him in our league. <laughs> Shit! No! Right. Oh, sorry, delete the podcast. No episode fifteen. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Jazz Notes. Sorry, everybody. Um, but awesome. That's pretty cool. And you know. Uh, just some other quick signings. We all know Fitzmagic to the Washington football team, mm-hmm. Dalton to the Bears. Uh, I'm probably forgetting a ton of others. AJ Green to the Cardinals. I mean, the list goes on and on. We could probably sit here all night and talk about all of them. Uh, yep. So, oh, interesting. Uh, here's what. Here's one more. One I'm really happy about. Trent Williams re-signed yes. with the San Francisco 49ers. Six-year deal, $138.06 million. And the reason he asked for 0.06 is that that gives him 10 grand more than David Bakhtiari for the highest APY uh, pay for uh, offensive linemen in the NFL. And David Bakhtiari was salty about that, but appreciated it. And this makes Trent Williams the highest paid offensive lineman ever. That's awesome. Good for he's him. well deserving. He'll play till he's 38 based on yeah. this contract. Good for him. I mean, you're seeing guys like I know Whitworth's not a tackle, but still, we're, we're no, he is. He's a oh, yeah. I thought he was. A, I thought he was a center. I don't know why. No, no, no. Whitworth, Whitworth is a very good tackle. He's gotcha. awesome. Well, pepperoni to me. And I know we see Peters. P- I know Peters is a tackle. I know that. Yeah, moved to guard <laughs> for a little bit. Um, yeah. Did and then came back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, will be interesting to see. So. Uh, without any further ado, uh, I know we got some late hits. Jordan, I actually did want to go over one real quick that I did not write down, but I just wanted to give a special shout out to uh, Brody Sports Talk. He's a podcast that follows us on Twitter. I've listened to a few of their episodes. I want to say they're about 85 deep right now. He reached out to us, uh, listened to the last episode and gave us some feedback. It was very honest feedback. I will say it was more than what I was expecting when he, he DM'd us on Twitter Gave us some really critical feedback, uh, took it with a grain of salt, but it was definitely interesting to read what somebody else was saying. I know a lot of our friends, family saying we're doing a good job and he, by no means, he was not knocking us or anything like that, but definitely uh, want to just say thank you to him. Hopefully he listens to this one. I know Jordan and I tried to change things up a little bit, cut down on the timing a little bit and just be more efficient with how we deliver what we do. I think Jordan and I both feel like we definitely know a lot of things about sports so wanting to be able to get that out in a, in a quicker fashion and just make sure, you know, we're making the most of everyone's time listening. So just wanted to say thank you to them, Jordan. I don't know if you have any messages for them. I know I kind of went off script there, which he doesn't recommend doing, but uh, I don't know if you have anything to add there, Jordan. 
All good, man. Um, I really appreciate it because once he mentioned the ums and the uhs, I know that's something that I struggle with Same. and I was doing really well with up until the NFL segment, which I should know, but I just get information overload in my brain that I just get stuck. So thank you for the uh and um feedback because I think that's something that I've caught on since day one, but I haven't had the balls to say anything about it to Jack or to myself and be like, I've been like, ah, oh, it's okay. Like it's, we're just talking. It's a podcast, like casual conversation. Like we're, we're trying to put a product out for you guys. And I want it to sound as crisp and clean as possible. So that was great getting your feedback there, Brody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, one other late hit, Dame Lillard, 50 points last night, 10 assists. I know yes. I coughed it up a little bit earlier. MVP Dame. And now it's looking more legit because if Embiid misses about a month, Jokic is putting up good numbers, but now Dame's got McCollum back. I think Nurkic is coming back this week. Be on the lookout. My jersey's coming in, I think, tomorrow. So, oh, get hype for Dame Lilly. I love that, man. Get I'm really excited for, for him. Lilly. He's great. Get hype for Dame Lilly. Cool. Jordan, have you filled out a bracket yet? I have not, but I have my winner already picked out. Okay. Do you want Do you want to put it on the record here? I know we're in a bracket group. I already yes. have my winner as well, so I'm not changing it based off of what you say. Who you got? Gonzaga, they okay. finally Boo. win. They finally win. They have not won one yet. They will finally win one this year. Yeah, I. So my final four, I have. I'll I'll share it here. If anyone wants to steal it, go for it because I'll probably only get one of the four right because that's how it always goes. But always. I have Iowa, so I have them beating Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. I've got Florida State, which might surprise some people. I think Michigan's got a tough matchup. I think Michigan has the toughest matchup in that. I think there's going to be a lot of upsets in that side of the bracket. Hashtag Maryland over Bama. Uh, You're going to see San Diego State make a run, but not to the Final Four. I got Illinois. And then I also do have the Baylor Bears in the Final Mm -hmm. Four. Uh, Ultimately, I do have Illinois winning it all. I watched a lot of the Big Ten tournament this weekend. That Big Ten, I think, has become one of my favorite. It used to be the Big East. I always used to love to watch the Big East tournament, but Big Ten – uh, I think has eight or nine teams in it this year. I know Michigan State's playing a play-in game. Maryland was down there as a 10 seed. So I have Illinois winning it all. I really like a lot of their players. I think you're going to – it's going to be interesting because they're all in one state. I know there's going to be a little bit of travel involved, but highly, highly recommend watching some college basketball. There's 16 games on Friday and then another 16 on Saturday this year is interesting too because usually they do Thursday and Friday are the first two games this year it's on Friday and Saturday which I'm hyped about because I don't have to take time off of work to watch basketball Saturday hang out outside get the projector going I think it's going to be a good time Jordan if you're around feel free to come over my man I will be on Long Island this weekend but thank you for the invite I will keep that in mind for next weekend dang dang we better be watching that's gonna I will be I will Uh, be just cool cool uh, one last late hit, and then Jordan, I don't know if you had any others, but we yeah, did decide on a charity to donate to. I, I don't want to say it's per se a charity, but I did have a colleague of mine from Bryant who's unfortunately his mother did pass away. Uh, if anyone's interested, just for the privacy of the family, I don't want to share the GoFundMe just on you know a social media platform just for family's privacy, but Jordan and I are both donating to the funeral for my friend. He has lost both parents, unfortunately. He lost his dad a couple of years back. So Jordan and I are both donating the money from the Get Rod on the pod campaign to that. If anybody is interested in helping out this family, really, really nice kid, really nice family, um, reach out to the podcast. We'll, we'll share it with you. Um, but just wanted to put that out there. That's where we're going to be donating the money to just because, you know, it, it, it hits home for me. I, I, I know 
him personally. And, you know, just, it, it pains me to see it. My, my family donated money. So we really want to help him out any way we can. So especially former, fr- or still a friend, but a former Brian alum, um, definitely want to help him out. Yeah, for sure. And it's always sad to see it. And, and really this is, we want to be able to help out Jack's friend as much as possible. So just keep your thoughts and prayers up uh, for him and his family and just keep, keep him in, in all your good thoughts, please. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, what What do you have? What do you have next? Well, <laughs> got a couple of late hits. Um, Gabe Jackson, who was supposed to get released by the Raiders, got traded to the Seahawks. Uh, Richie Incognito got re-signed by the Raiders. And one that I'm happy about, but at the same time, I'm not. Patrick Peterson signs a one-year $10 million deal with the Minnesota Vikings. He is out of Arizona former first round draft pick, one of the best corners in the NFL in his prime, um, basically left his prime last year after missing the first six games and was not the same, was the most penalized defensive player in the NFL last season. And he goes to Minnesota, who has much needed secondary help, still a good corner, could still play well, would probably do better in a number two role. But thank, thank you for your years of service in Arizona, Patrick Peterson. Really appreciate the eight years you gave us. Or the nine seasons, really. Nine seasons, yeah. Nine. Wow. Well, wow. And just so anyone knows, if you said we didn't cover baseball, Ben was our baseball segment. Uh, spring training, again, really not too much going on. I know we talked about the JBJ signing last week. Mm-hmm. Tatis. Tatis did. Did you see that, Jordan? He tagged up on a fly ball to the mm-hmm. shortstop. Yep. That was pretty sick in the spring training game. You, you don't see that every day. Nope. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck hit a grand slam. So Red Sox winning the World Series this year. Nah, JK, but hey, be on the nah. lookout. <laughs> we'll see. And then uh, did you see the 22 pitch at bat? I did not. That was crazy. John Boy has an awesome breakdown of it. It was a it was a 2-2 count up until the 19th pitch, I believe. Wow. Okay. Yep. And got the three, two. Wow. And then Darren O'Day hitting that guy in the nuts. Um, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> so definitely. And like I said, if you can check out college baseball, I know there's not really a platform for it. I know I'm telling you to watch a lot of college sports. Definitely check out the basketball this weekend. It's going to be great. But if anyone's looking for some baseball, uh, feel free to check it out, especially Twitter. Like Ben was saying, follow Virginia tech has a really good team, really good Twitter account, Ole Miss, Mississippi state, Florida, all those teams, Miami. So Check it out. Check it out. Arkansas, former uh, Andrew Benintendi team. So uh, without any further ado, does that do it for you, Jordan? I'm all set, man. Awesome. Well, as always, everybody, thank you so much. Again, special thanks to Ben for hopping on the, the podcast. Make sure to shoot him a follow on Twitter. Shout out to James for having me on his show last night. And like I said, shout out to Brody Sports Talk for the feedback. I hope this episode sounded better than it did in the past. Uh, and as always, thank you to everyone for listening. And get Rod on the pod.